Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you'll get that extra big interview every month and you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away. All for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. Hello there, big interview listeners. David Priest is a football analyst who forces you to think different thoughts about the game we all love. Through his journalism and broadcasting, he's carved out a really impressive niche as an expert and an articulate expert on the art of goalkeeping. The analysis of that position has tended to be a cliché minefield, scattered with lazy reflections on how goalkeepers are all mad and how they should never be beaten at the near post. David is taking the debate to a new level. Plus, he's a dandy and extremely funny. So we simply had to have him on the big interview. Enjoy David Priest in Talk Sports Studios. A very funny, very bright man who's going places. Probably his top corner for a fingertip save. Well, we were talking about this um, this way in which keeper analysis is is often wrong, and now it's a bugbear. And you're doing a lot of clinical communication to adjust people's understanding. How did football develop with us improving our manner of understanding diet or training or recuperation and three five two or wing backs or false nines? Just about everybody went, well, we don't really have to say anything more about keepers than mm. what we've always said. How did that happen? Going back to like the, the German and the, and the Russians, that's how, how they are saying, we, we see footballers differently. You know, I know that maybe they just say that the goalkeepers differently, where they think that it's the worst player that goes in goal. I remember, is it Ruth Hollett who said that? The worst players going goal. Or maybe it's been it's all right in the so. playground, I yeah, understand yeah, that, yeah. but. You, you were seen as just not as important. I mean, I didn't, really, I didn't have a full-time goalkeeping coach until I was, until I was 17, until sort of my second year at, at Sunderland, when Jimmy Montgomery became uh, my youth team coach. Great, Jimmy Montgomery. The, yeah. I, I forget your birthday. You're too young to have seen that day, aren't oh, you? Oh, no, yeah. Well, I mean, he still sort of... I was still brought up wearing T-shirts with, with Monty flying across the... If anybody the hasn't seen that, that's the FA Cup yeah. final against a, a mighty lead side. And, like, I've seen a lot in football, but there are, I haven't seen many days when a goal mouth is 
back to where it was then. And Jimmy Montgomery just said, thou shalt not pass. That is, I mean, we talk about the bank save and, and mm-hmm. things like that, but to me, that's the best save there's ever been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's all, all the stories rolled into that because of, you know, the, the massive underdogs against the mighty leads and, and just a brilliant double save that won them the cup. So you were handed down this idea that keepers were important because your dad, Jimmy Montgomery. Why, why have you picked on um, Germany and Russia and saying that they, they venerate their keepers differently? How have you learned that? I, just, I mean, just, just reading up on them. I didn't see it studying goalkeepers, but I was just sort of really wanting to... Every, everything that I'd get my hands on when I was younger about... My yeah. two favourite goalkeepers when I was younger was Bruce Gobbler and Neville Southall. Uh, quite, quite different. Yeah, very different. Stylistically. Very different, but I think... Um, I love the way that obviously the the, the way that the Bruce played the game, and it was totally different from anything else at the time. And uh, but with, with Neville Southall, I just loved his sort of his work ethic. Uh, I remember I, I was a kid. I went to Everton's training ground. Belfield. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Belfield. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just watching him train every train session. I watched him. So I went down there a few times. He just he never left anything. Every every bit of ounce of energy he had was was used in training, mm-hmm. and. He was somebody who, I, if I could read anything about him, I would always try and look, look it up. And I would just wish there was an internet back then. So yeah. It was about work ethic and about his, his warm-ups. I remember reading about his warm-ups, how sometimes he would, uh, he would just have a bath for a warm-up. Then other days he would go out at one thirty before a game. And it always changed throughout his career. And it was his work ethic and Martin Hodge at Sheffield Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Not a keeper that I particularly sort of admired or had, had watched a great deal, but I read quite a bit about him. Just a few articles that I picked up, and it was people talking about him how he's the most hardest working goalkeeper who worked his game every day, and that's what I took into in, into my game. Whether I wasn't uh, talented enough, or whether I was you know whether I was going to be lucky or not, I was going to work hard. That's what I decided, and I think that's what. that was my biggest asset more than anything. And when you match that with what you already said was a quite a you know, an attitude for deconstructing things, analysing things. That's maybe been the combination that leaves you now, having had a good career, able to um, transmit things. Or analytically, do you consider yourself somebody who could go in and make goalkeepers at any level, potentially make them better? Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why I'm, uh, I came out of full-time coaching. I, re- I really do believe that. It's not. I mean, that's nothing, so it's no arrogance or anything like that, but I, th- I just think I've got... a a great eye for picking up things that I think are what's wrong, uh, making little improvements in, in games. But certainly it's sort of from 16 and upwards. But I think it's just because, like I said, go back to the analysing my own game that I overanalyzed it. So it was detrimental in one that I thought too much about it. Mm. Uh, it became a, a, a negative thing because I'd dwell on mistakes. Maybe he's not sort of beat myself up too much about it, which I, I did quite a lot, but most of the time I would just be replaying over and over, say to myself, where should I be? Mm. You know, what should I have done here? And, but this was in the game, mm. and which is anybody will tell you that it's, it's not the time to do it. And the best keepers just sort of, best players, mm-hmm. you know, if a striker misses a chance, you just shut off and then you, mm. you think about it later. But it's I, later. I couldn't do that. And, it's, and mistakes, in the end, mistakes just ate away at me. Und- to, to, this, to the extent of distracting you by a percentage in a game that was significant enough to, to be detrimental. Yeah, and, and, but not, it might not be noticeable to anybody, but concentration just has to be 
come down 10%, especially for a goalkeeper. And, it, you know, you talk about, athletes talk about being in the zone. So I'd read up a lot on sports psychology and, and, that's how, and how to get into that zone, that form of concentration. Whatever the, that zone is, you don't have to. Th- you, you don't think, and that's a, that's the best thing about it. When you when you're in that sort of have that mentality, you don't think at all. It's automatic. Yeah, like it's, it's almost like when you you're driving somewhere and you drive from A to B for an hour, and you couldn't tell anybody what was what was happening on the road, but you, you just on autopilot. That's what happens when you're playing a good game. Mm-hmm. It goes quickly, and you know you. You don't have to worry about it at all, but those games are few and far between for me, pounds. Then, have Saturday nights been really unhappy times for you since oh. you stopped playing because yeah. of because of well, okay. Saturday nights were unhappy times for me when I played, simply because if I didn't win, then that was it. It was awful. You're quite serious about this, aren't oh, you? Massively, I've ruined far too many Saturday nights and weekends for for other people. I remember get, we got beat off Newcastle when I was in the youth team at Sunderland, and uh, it was my birthday, and there was a big. There was all my friends had a party, and I just I just didn't leave the house. Mm. I just didn't want to go. But so many nice restaurants and not spoken a word, and we'll turn the page on that. Yeah, yeah. I was also thinking that if you ever tried to lose yourself on a on a Saturday night, I'm sorry, I'm going to be blunt here, by watching match of the day. If you had a heavy object near you, you must have been throwing them at the screen for every expression of um, near post, keeper will be disappointed. You must have been screaming and begging for, do, do your job better than that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't blame outfield players for, for that. I, uh, maybe it's obviously, I disagree, yeah, I think it's, it's not a two-way idea. street. No, well, well, I think keepers can talk about outfield play perfectly adequately yeah. because you actually do... Just about all the same elements in your job that but, they do, apart from maybe scoring. Well, maybe I'm being kind. The, fr- the frustration beca- it came initially because everything was just that was good, yeah. should have done better, and then, and then that was it, and it was left. No but, detail, no nuance. No, and, and, and I, but I still think that it's the same for for outfield players as well. Whether it's, it's possible to, to go into detail during the games or as, as much at half time or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's it's. I've always said about the master classes that I do with the cricket on Sky, mm. how they go through. I think I just find them fascinating. Me too. All right. It's just the real fine details. No, I really. Okay, so let's say you'll, they'll take them indoors, um, they'll, they'll have the wicket set up, and they'll, they'll bowl in a couple of balls, and they'll be talking, there'll be two or three people talking all the time, so that you get the bowling action, you get whatever shot, whatever pitch of the ball they're talking about. And they've got three or four experts, and even then, none of it's black and white. They're all open to concepts. And you'll have maybe Warren, you know, maybe the greatest spin bowler we've ever seen. Morley, I don't know, but whatever. And they'll say, okay, Shane, what would you do? And they say, I'd try and lead him into this, lead him this, and then do that. And they'll be like, yeah, probably they've lost their wicket to him 10, 15, 20, maybe more times. But they'll all be talking, and yeah, but if you, and would you, and could you, it, to me, that develops the art. Mm. If you're willing to talk about it as, something that's a malleable concept not black and white well of course you do this of course you do that but even when I'm saying my stuff on Twitter or I'm writing up uh, some analysis I say it's I'm perhaps more forthright than I should be maybe not forthright it's not the right word it isn't black and white really but what I'm saying I'm just saying it from from my perspective in the way that I see goalkeeping now there'll still be plenty of people out there uh, who are goalkeepers who will, might disagree with some of the finer points that I make and because there's more more than one way to skin a cat you know there's, 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 there's so many different sort of techniques and styles to use in some of the basics you go from country to country and they teach them different ways now I've been lucky enough that when I was a teenager 
was coached by Alan Hodgkinson. It was like Hodge coached Scotland, coached Gorham, yeah, coached exactly. at Rangers. Yeah. Gorham had six arms, man. His eye to ball and his hand to ball stuff is spooky. Do you know what? When I first went up to Scotland and um, I played Motherwell on a Tuesday night or something like that, and never met the bloke in my life. Uh, I mean, didn't just assume. Well, I mean, he obviously knew who I was because I'm playing against him. Do you know what I mean? But I just assumed that you know he wouldn't wouldn't bother with me so after the game just comes over he starts talking to me he was big mates with Jim Layton him and Jim were, were, were really close Another bit of a rivalry in that, but they were, they were really close and um, he says oh you know what are you do after the game he says oh mum dad up oh yeah wait for us and I'll come in and just sat with me mum and my dad like you know and just chatting for ages and just asking how things were and took a real sort of interest and in it, it meant a lot to me that sure but there, there again you know that's the name Andy Gorham Jim Layton don't talk to me about great goalkeepers the last 40 years, British goalkeepers, without mentioning those two. Dave Seymour's a great goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think that Jim and uh, and Andy were, were, were better goalkeepers than him. That being partisan, I, I have to agree. I watched Jim, although even at his finest, you, you, you looked at him and you wouldn't automatically say any kind of football, never mind a goalkeeper, no. spindly, kind of lanky. Yeah, we didn't know about his contact lenses then... Even in the 80s, was that a prototype look for a footballer? Not and yet, I watched the true greats of European football, even in the season that Aberdeen didn't win the Cup Winners' Cup, where we progressed, come and he would do the most remarkable gymnastic things. I don't know whether it was technique or instinct or a blend of both. Well, listen, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't technique because, I mean, when I first went there, I was like, because I was very much into my technique even at that age, and then I'd watch him change 40-year-old. He did everything that you... Well, not everything, but most things he did were what you were taught not to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, he jumped in the air when the ball came and he had this sort of funny hand position. That, But everything stuck and you couldn't get by him. And, like you said, it, it just didn't he didn't look like a goalkeeper. But he, he's more than a goalkeeper, he's some man. His force of personality in, in that back three, if you talk about the Miller McLeish Leighton, and it's easy and lazy to say, well, he had this iron curtain in front of him, which... He did, but he he bossed them about, and oh, they they're two brutal characters. Oh, I mean, when when you see the three of them together, the sort of like it's sort of them two against him, sort of like <laughs> the other two, sort of like a prefect, and he's the young lad, like you know. It was it was a lot of it. He didn't look like a goalkeeper, but up there, mm. and to come through what he came through, mm. leaving United mm. and re- totally rebuilding himself mm. and rebuilding his reputation to to. Start at the 98 World Cup against Brazil. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was before I knew him, and then sort of after I knew him, then got to know him. Just it's an extraordinary man, and I agree with you about Gorham. And I like your idea that probably they were. They don't get the same recognition as yeah. Seaman because he was England, because he was Arsenal, but uh, fewer, certainly in Gorham's case, fewer high-profile mistakes. I mean, the, the, the accusation you've seen about that. Um, that Jim was playing behind sort of a rock in there, uh, mm. McLeish and Miller. Seamus was playing behind. He, he, he wasn't unlucky with his choice. No, no, of exactly, yeah, yeah. And also, if you throw in Blooming, Bold, and Keon, and, and in his day, Blooming, the big old David Leary. Oh, yeah. So, whether you think about Dixon and Winterburn and, and Adams and Keon, or Bold, who vastly underrated defender, Steve Bold, vastly mm. underrated, um, or David Leary, Seaman had it. He had it pretty good, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And in the midfield, at a certain stage, with Blooming, um, Petit and Vieira biting people's ankles. Yeah. Point made. <laughs> um, it's time for a sponsor question from Bet365, who support us and are behind us. 
I've got three I can choose. Do you want A, B or C? Oh, A. Good, very good choice. What are the best and worst things about being a goalkeeper? Do you know the, be- the best thing about being a goalkeeper is being different? <laughs> that's, one, that's one of the reasons why I f- it felt right to be a goalkeeper. Dress differently, wear the gloves. The worst is probably uh, yeah, that, that moment when the ball goes past you. You know, you could describe it as the net rustling or it's a combination of things. It's a unique noise when the ball hits the back of the net or it hits the post. Perhaps that's the worst moment when you hear the ball hit the post and you turn around in hope and it's still in the back of the net rather than bouncing straight out again. It's funny, you know, sometimes when you, when you get older, you get, it's easier to deal with, with uh, either disappointments or, or things that do affect you when you're younger. But that, that's one thing that got worse as I got older. Pit to the stomach? Oh, horrible, horrible, yeah, horrible. I think I had, a, I had a couple of seasons where I worked with a sports psychologist in my last three years at Aberdeen where I tried to take emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. And even though I probably played my best football then, I didn't enjoy it. Hmm. And it's almost be- that sort of the, the pain... The pain and the pleasure, you have to have it. Yeah. And that's what you miss. I don't, people mm-hmm. say you miss camaraderie in the dressing room and, that and, the, and the banter. For that, you just miss being around people. That's what it is. It's not... A, one Saturday morning it might be butterflies. The next Saturday morning it might be sort of like nauseous. Yeah. So, but we have what to miss. have fear and risk to live. Mm. Living isn't about getting by. You have to risk things. Mm. You have to be in the game. And whatever that brings with it. Working in here or working at a live game and doing sort of like live core comms or doing live radio, that's the first time I've really felt anything like that mm. where it's sort of... People might call it a buzz like you know, but it's mm. it's the first time that I've felt anywhere near that. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I remember uh, once we, we had a little um, Twitter direct message conversation about Claudio Bravo. And, and it was really evident that you were soaking up everything you could learn about him in order to be able to talk about him properly in that mode that mm. I love about you and other ex-pros, managers or footballers, where I respect that they do their work as well as just saying what they see. You studied him and you watched him and you looked at... I think you were expecting Pep Guardiola in that instance to have signed a, a goalkeeper who had very good footballing skills, one under pressure, the ball at his feet, not just people, even now that we're talking about that, from my taste at least, people talk about like, can he control it and kick it? Mm. Whereas what we're actually asking is, is the control quite natural? Is he a footballer? Is he an outfield footballer? Mm. It's 11 footballers. And is his brain good about, if they're not moving for me and showing their position, I'll make sure that they do and I'll, I'll get them to spread and I'll make sure they take responsibility. Does he make the right choices with the boy? Because effectively when he's a go, a go keeper's pressed, he's like a pivoting midfielder, just yeah. not in the middle of the park. It's the same decision-making process about when's the press coming, what time do I have, is the ball under control, who do I pick, what is the strategy about why I pick, all that kind of stuff. Steph, we're on that basis. Where do you stand on the way in which two clubs play a different brand of football from one another, have invested in Brazilian keepers? Um, have you been looking at Ederson, yeah. Allison, and what's your thoughts, your summation on well, them? Well, I've, I've changed. I mean, of course, football changes, so you've got to change with it. But I've totally changed my perspective on goalkeepers dealing with back passes because. I do, it probably comes from actually it does come from what we talk about about my childhood when you talk about that fear mm-hmm. and having sort of like that fear in, inducing anxiety that that kind of sort of never left me so like I was always always thought or convinced myself that everything should be safety first it was ultra safe mm-hmm. so back when I was at uh, Darlington I took Monty with me manager David Hodgson asked me if I, if I wanted his goalkeeping coach and I said Monty and, and took Monty with us and um, even back then we used to talk about uh, doing uh, playing triangles in the round the, uh, outside the box uh, so that eventually in three passes you would be beyond the uh, the defenders and the striker and, and literally joining in and I've, I've not really seen many other, I've seen people come out of the box Neuer and, and Testegen and, and the two Brazilian lads no problem they'll, they'll join outside the box but you don't have an overlapping goalkeeper, <laughs> and that's what Monty was talking about. And he was talking about he wish we could play four three three. We're talking the region ninety four, ninety five, ninety six ish, ninety seven. It'd be ninety seven, okay. ninety eight. Okay. And and we talked about it, and there was two two drawbacks that uh, Feetums was, was only good for planting potatoes on. Uh, Darlington's football uh, football ground, okay. the old football ground, and we had a real problem with the. Uh, the surface where we tried everything. They brought worms from Old Trafford to aerate the, the pitch, and we ended up having playing FA, FA Cup games at, uh, at the Riverside, yeah. Middlesbrough. Well. Yeah. Anyway, so that was a problem. Yeah, for yeah, listen, you, you, you're talking to a complainer, but Todry was never that great. Neither. No, it, it wasn't. To be honest with no. you, 
That was it. So that was problem the problem with is that yeah. you, you can never, the bobble's crazy, right? That yeah. you, it's not made for technique and, and calm when you receive a ball in a triangle. Yeah, exactly. You're always having to take a touch to get the ball under control first. But also, at that time, you're five years into the back pass rule and defenders weren't, didn't want to know. Get it away. When the ball came back to you, and normally it would come back to you up here, they weren't bothered how it came back to you. When you said that up here, it came back to you. One, you've got a particular player in mind who always used to give you... you you've kind of done, like, bodyline bowling. You, you said the ball's coming up to you. He's, he's, he's gone for his Adam's apple there, so... If the ball's been put to you up at your neck, the, the defenders didn't weren't bothered about sort of uh, care about how they the handed you their problem. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. I'll bet you they turned their back and all. All you saw was four arses. <laughs> <one there. laughs> so, so you you couldn't your problem now. Yeah, and so you just had to hit it first time, and, and people were sort of cr- uh, rushing at you so uh, to to try and hurry you. So the, the, it wasn't really the right environment to try and play football. It wasn't until really I went to Denmark that we did our goalkeeping. Separately, um, and but not just forty minutes before training, then joining with everyone else. We did it uh, separately in the morning, afternoon, and we just trained as normal. So we do the passing drills, do the position drills, which is really, that's obviously really beneficial. It's... When I went away with uh, with teams, particularly with Aberdeen, we go to Holland, Germany, uh, wherever. And when I was in Denmark, you go away to training camps. So I'd go to the local clubs, wherever mm-hmm. it was, Twente or you know, uh, Hello. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, and. Um, Go watch them train. Always try to pick up something, and it was, I was always looking for like the magic pill that would make me the greatest goalkeeper <laughs> that ever lived. And you know, whatever drill it was, whatever technique they were mm-hmm. using. And you know what? Most of the time, you you've got in these places and you're not seeing anything. They're not doing anything different mm-hmm. from what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I'd go and see. Uh, I think Victor might have just come into the team at uh, If you're talking, I suppose when you went to Denmark, I suppose we're talking about mid two thousands or two thousand five to nine. Yeah. So Victor was certainly he was the. First choice keeper in 2005-6. Pepe Arena had gone to Villarreal, so it would have been... It wasn't... Pepe wasn't there. It would have been Victor, yeah. Yeah, so, like, uh, I remember watching him train, and it was really basic stuff, but, I mean, they just come from a tour somewhere, and then they were just doing a few live sessions. I think, who was the other one? Who was a goalkeeper there? I can't remember who the goalkeeper was, but they would go on the side of the pitch, and they they would use them as sort of, like, you know, possession. (laughs) And Those two players and Samuel Eto'o were the the three best players in, in those sessions. I don't know whether it was the case, whether it's just to keep him happy, because every time, uh, I mean, it was probably about a dozen times I watched over the, over the years, I watched them, watched them train. He, he was always the joker, you know, playing for both sides, and only had two touches. Right guard always made him the... You know, they call, he's really, I like you call it the joker, so it's like the guy who can maybe, like, you wear this odd-coloured well, in possession. you're the comedy, and you play yeah, for exactly. both. Yeah. So that's a common exercise that you knew and saw in your... Yeah, but but most of the time that was just used for odd numbers. But you can see with ah, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. With, with him there was a purpose to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, it's a quite a common thing in Spanish training, and I, I suppose the idea is you, it, one, it keeps everybody around you mentally sharp because you've got the ball and you're passing them, mm. and the instant that you haven't got the ball, he's on the other side, yeah. instantly and in tight spaces. So your alertness um, has to change, and so does the the player himself. Mm. I, I I've always thought it's about y- y- your mind there. I. I I guess, looking at it. But most of the time, it it doesn't matter who it is, whichever team you're watching or who's training. Most of the time, that player can be quite passive. So, like, they're just used if they're needed, where everything just came through him Mm -hmm. and he was, you know, changing his position all the time and wanting the ball. And, yeah, it it just... I didn't appreciate him until then. Um, So you're in... um, Hold on, where where are we? We're in Aarhus, um, in the middle of the street, and you're watching Victor Valdez. And you went... To, to study that because we were talking then about you know the way in which you were linking what you saw there 
to what you see now with Alison and Edison. You said that when I offered you a chance to talk about like what you see in the two of them, to, to your satisfaction as an analyst, you immediately went, well, I've changed my idea about pressing and passing and the six-yard box and, and what keepers want to be doing there because it's utterly distinct from what you had in your it, playing life. It is, and it's we have to look at a different perspective now that the people that I speak to about it, there's a, and I really, really love him because he's got great ideas. A guy called Tim Dittman who's at the FA now, he's head of goalkeeper de- development. I love talking to him. Don't talk to him enough. Let's, let's give him praise again. Tim? Yeah. Tim Dittmer. Tim Dittmer, D-I-T-T-M-E-R. That's big praise. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, you, you're looking for somebody who's an innovator, who's mm-hmm. doing something a little different and thinking a little bit differently, and that's what I was always looking for. So it's about taking the fear out of goalkeeping, and especially with the ball at your feet. Now, I spoke about you know overlapping goalkeepers and that, and it was a bit tongue-in-cheek, but if we could do that, that would be sort of utopia. Mm. Because, because then you really have the... Not sweeper keeper. Eleven footballers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So to do that, you take the goal out of it. So if you take the goal out of it, you take the fear out of it and the and the risk. So then players would react and position themselves and move the way they would in midfield or up front. Mm -hmm. And that's and ideally, you'd want the ball in the corner. So you get everything tracked over that way and then come out the other side. So everyone's tracked down there. Go hit them down the weak side. And overloading, like it's a pep te- technique to overload brain. Come on into my parlour, yeah, so the exactly. spider to fly. Bosh, change of direction. It, Would you have, despite the anxiety, if you'd been asked to play and, you know, you, you, you were a, a, a trendy young goalkeeper at Aberdeen, Pep takes over at Manchester City and he signs you. Would you? What, how would you have confronted that task? I mean, playing no, no, I, I, philosophically I, his way. One, I'd, I'd have loved it because I was the type of person who loved instruction from my manager. Mm. I, wa- I wanted him to tell me what I wanted, what he wanted to do, and if he told me to do, I'd do it, no problem. Denmark changed things for me because one, I was training as an outfield player more. Uh, I was giving a little bit more time in the ball. In Denmark, it wasn't all about when the ball went back to me. Nobody was herring towards me at 100 miles an hour, like like in England. Because predominantly in Denmark, they all understood that that's often, unless you do it in the right way, a waste of time, because technique's quite good. And the reason we all do it is we all think, oh, the other guy won't be able to control it, because yeah. we've never put such a high premium as the continental clubs and nations have on, like, yeah, first touch, if don't come running here, that'll be gone. Come if you want. Yeah. And then they, that's it. That, that's exactly it. Because they would think, oh, well, why am I doing that for? It's stupid. I'm just going to stand here. Yeah. Then we'll say I'm going to pass it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then ultimately it's about the manager. And as like I said, you know, I keep talking about taking the fee away from football. The best, one of the best things that happened to me when I first went to Darlington, Peter Reader told me that um, it was kind of, the, the conversation kind of went, I'll give you another year. You haven't been playing very well. I had two broken arms in the space of two seasons. Um, he said, your decision-making's been off. He was looking to bring somebody else in. It was a year before Thomas Thompson came in. We said, I'm going to bring somebody else in. He says, you could be in a year's time. He says, you know, love you a bit. Think attitude's great. He says, but we could be sat here and be in the exact same position. So, I mean, without saying, I'm letting you go. He was kind of convincing me that I needed to go, and he was right. So I went up, I went and played like a, a reserve game for for Darlington. David Hodgson came in, and uh, I'd been to Belgium to talk to the club in Belgium. Came back, didn't didn't really fancy it. And then, uh, then I spoke to David Hodgson, and uh, he just came up to me before the, this reserve game. He just went, "If you let a goal in, I don't care, but I want you to come for everything." 
If you, if you come and you don't, and we consider go, so I'm not bothered. I want you to come for everything. I want to show you. I want you to show me how good you are at uh, dealing with crosses in the box and high balls at the box. So, and that was it. Like that was the whole time I was a dart, and that's what was probably that was the best part of my game. And, and he did that, that again. It's sort of like um, things that suit you. Along with my English teacher, he was a manager that suited me because that's exactly what I needed for my game to develop. It allowed me to concentrate instead of having that fear there and thinking about things. Yeah. It allowed me just to concentrate on me, on me play, and and he's somebody. David Austin, there's another person who. Uh, and you watched him at Liverpool. I watched him at Sunderland. He, he played. Ah. For, he played for Sunderland, and um, it's funny. At my uh, when I was nine years old, he was giving the trophies at my school. It's funny. I've got a picture of me and me. I've got me like me uh, little grey shorts on and t-shirt, and, and and he's there with his sort of his mullet and his moustache and. Uh, and uh, yeah, we stayed in touch. And he's kind of. I'm, I've not really had an agent all, all my career. He's, he was an agent before he was a manager, yeah, and then the yeah. agent afterwards. Yeah. He's looked after me, and even even now when I when I speak to him now, it's almost like I'm speaking to him when I'm like 20, when I'm 22 again, like you know. And it kind of feels like it was meant to be if, from the prize oh, going to the career. Yeah, but it's the thing is, he's look. Well, I was at Odense. I was sitting. I had a year left my contract. Odense. I'd had all them back spasms. I hadn't played for a, uh, first team football for a year, and then he, I just pick, he, he picked up the phone and he said, uh, "Do you want to go to Barnsley?" I was like, "Yeah." He said, "Okay." Then. And that was it. People like that, like, there's a guy called Ian Swan, who's the guy who literally started my career. He came up to me when I was eight years old in the, uh, the swim baths, change room swim baths, and said to me, oh, you like playing gold, didn't you? I thought I've heard you're quite good. He's my teacher at the time, sports teacher. He says, yeah. This is, uh, he says, well, come to the training. So I kept, that's when I went to the, for the school team. I came to him because I, I love him. He's a great bloke. But it's uh, just got... Gratitude towards these people, you know. It's expressions like that and feelings like that that we made this for. You know, I'm sick and tired of football being portrayed as somewhere that's it's all dark and it's greedy mm. and it's full of stupid people. And you just said, I love a guy who did, who did good things by me when I was a budding youngster, and here we are. You're still very young, I don't know, 10 years later or whatever. <laughs> and, and that relationship is important to you. A lot of big names in goalkeeping at the moment. Rather than going through them all in terms of like um, what they're good at and not good at, who, um, if we go through, you know, Ederson and De Gea and Allison and, and Kepa and Young Schmeichel, Subasic, Pickford, Ochoa, right across them all, or Black, who, who in your, you know, top five, top six, um, who would be your top two just out of personal preference? And in that group of keepers at the moment, who do you think is underrated and misunderstood? Given enough credit. I'll, I'll have a little bit of think about that, but I'll always go back to uh, to Buffon. He, he's the keeper that's. I know that I say that you know, but like so, Grobelar and uh, people like that who like, maybe is a bit more extravagant, you know. For sure. Yeah. But I just like I love everything about uh, Buffon. I just love that him as a as a man. We can we can talk about things that he said and done in the past. We uh, we can. We talk about He's that, really that much of an inspirational figure massively, for you. Massively, I didn't know that. The, the biggest thing for me that I, that I took from him and that I admire about him, up until recently, you, you didn't really see him make any bad decisions. And I know that comes with playing with consistently with some of the best defenders European football or world football scene and the relationship that you build with them, knowing what each other's going to do. But up until the last couple of seasons, you didn't see him come you know, come running outside his box or, or coming for a ball that he was never going to get or panicked in. He was always cool. Uh, and when you've got a cool head, you've, you make clear decisions. Yeah, so leadership. We're winding towards an end, but I know what I want to ask you about to, to finish this up. Bet365 has said, for you, the greatest Premier League goalkeeper of all time, Premier League. 
Again, personal choice. Yeah, this is a tough one. I know many people probably will definitely say Peter Schmeichel, and that might be true, but he was so unique that most of the things that he did and the way that he was aggressive and assertive hmm. uh, and proactive was because it worked for him. Mm-hmm. And I remember he did, a, he did a master class, I think it was last season or season before, on Sky, on Monday Night Football. And he was writing everything that he said, and there was lots of examples of, of him sort of being dominant and authoritative. And, but it, everything that he did worked for him. And I think for, for a lot of goalkeepers, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, necessarily. It wouldn't necessarily work. And he was very unique that way. Uh, so you're saying not him? There's one... Uh, it's another Man United goalkeeper, uh, Edwin Van der Sar. That I've, I've always, I've always had a sort of a, a soft spot for him because one of the first goalkeeping coaching uh, videos I ever watched was uh, it was him and Stanley Menzo and Franz Hook. Gosh Almighty, Stanley yeah. Menzo! I've not heard his name mentioned yeah, for a long time. Ajax. So this was at Ajax when France was there, still under Van Gaal yeah. as coach, and France would have been the goalkeeping coach. Not a very popular man at Old Trafford, France. No, not. No. Um, Liked at all by David Ayer. I'm not selling secrets at school, no. it's the truth. Yeah. But um, somebody who succeeded a, a great deal and was a tutor for Van der Sar. Yeah. So you saw what then? That's where the affection comes from. It was a little bit of the uh, sort of the technique stuff that they worked on that it was. Uh, I mean, obviously, I couldn't understand what they were saying, but it was. Um, you could see what they were, they were working yeah. on, and a lot of it was simple stuff, but. The biggest thing was the, the distribution mm-hmm. and how uh, unerringly accurate he was. For somebody who's like, was he six foot five or something like that? He's, he, he's a beanpole, doesn't particularly look like a silky footballer, but his technique was brilliant. His range of passing was brilliant. And it wasn't just that about him, it was just the way that we'd been led into this um, sort of cliche of a goalkeeper being sort of mad, shouting, screaming, ranting, raving, like Schmeichel. Like I said, but that worked for him. For most goalkeepers, that wouldn't work simply because you get yourself that irate for the next five minutes. You're, you know, you're not good to anybody. Where he used it uh, and was able to keep a calm head. Where with Van der Sar, he wasn't that goalkeeper. He was cool. He was calm, but he was still authoritative. David, this has been an education. Um, I hope you continue teaching people how to talk differently about um, the art of goalkeeping and um, keep communicating, keep writing. Thank God for poetry and notebooks and Radio Luxembourg and that sort of slightly anxious eight or nine year old Can I just say thank you for inviting me here It's been been the most enjoyable hour and a half that I've had in a while Hopefully you enjoyed that big interview which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us to become a socio and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview plus regular mini documentaries, not only all ad-free but all featuring me and bringing you interesting, funny and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road interviewing people 
and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.